Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. It's 2018. You know what that means? It's as bad as 2017. Yeah, so far. And probably for most of it. But here's the hoping. You are listening to a brand new episode of Repeater. And on this episode, we have comedian, actor, podcast host, and writer Maeve Higgins. And our musical guest this time is Bartiz and the Strange Fruit. Bartiz and his band are from Brooklyn, New York, and they just put a new album out in December, and it is great. The cover is beautiful, so make sure you go check that out. Yeah, as soon as you're done listening to this episode. But for now, thank you so much for joining us. This is Repeater. for having me. Of Thank course. you for being here. Yeah. I hope this mic can uh, distort my accent to something you can understand. <laughs> oh, it'll be <laughs> a-okay. Yeah, you can dub me over with a, like, Texan lady. Ooh, <laughs> yeah. Here. I'm just messing with the mic. Sorry. Yeah, want me to move it up? Yeah, you know something else that's very unprofessional? I have some notes on my phone, but I'm charging my phone at the bar. <laughs> Isn't that such a New York thing? To, like, not have any power <laughs> in any way. Uh, I think Absolutely. it is. If you need to run to the bar at any point for these notes, that's Maybe. fine. Maybe. Let's see how we go. But I'm just embarrassed to, like, talk about my favorite song and, like, not do it justice. Yeah. Because if I don't have my notes. But let's see. Yeah. Sure. Let's try it. Mm-hmm. Um, great. I don't remember what my song is. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, to start, we yeah. discuss something we've been listening to recently. Okay. So Pat will start us off with that. Yeah. Um... I am getting in the Christmas spirit by listening to a lot of Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings. Uh, She has a wonderful Christmas album. She also has a new album out, which you should all buy. The Soul of a Woman. It's wonderful. It's so good. Um, And at dinner tonight, I listened to uh, Big Big Bulbs, uh, which is a wonderful song about big Christmas light bulbs. (laughs) And it's not an innuendo. Were you having dinner alone? (laughs) no that's not a mean question but I'm just like I'm always wondering because when I'm having listening to music while I'm having dinner I'm like this person won't stop talking (laughs) no I was I was eating dinner with somebody and uh, I put on music I put on Sharon Jones very loud because that's what I wanted to listen to (laughs) (laughs) are they like really loud chewers or something like you were like I need to blast this be careful Pat did you guys have dinner together? No. no. <laughs> he was eating with his girlfriend. Yeah, no, it was my girlfriend who is here. Yeah. Uh, and no, she doesn't chew yeah, loud at all. Yeah, I eating nachos. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've been listening a lot to the new Julian Baker album, Turn Out the Lights. Uh, light? Lights? I can't remember. Uh, and I will, I'll go with the title track as a song that I've been listening to a lot. Um, it's really fantastic. It's very, it's kind of a very sad album. But mm-hmm. I don't, it's one of those albums where I don't know if all the lyrics and content are super sad. I think so much of it is she has a very sad voice. Yeah. And like that and tonally, it's just this very like, uh, oh boy, I've like almost cried several times just with that album and on, on to like no specific song. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really beautiful. I've never listened to her before. 
I don't know if anyone here is a fan. So do you think even if she was like singing happy birthday, you'd be like, thank you. <laughs> I honestly think Julian Baker singing happy birthday would remind me of like my age and the passing of time <laughs> and the fact that we all die one day. I think that's like her power. <laughs> She's like um, a time, like, or no, what's the guy who comes? Grim Reaper. Yeah. <laughs> She's a very like, yeah, small. Uh, Melodic Grim Reaper. Grim yeah. Reaper. I was trying to describe it to Pat a few days ago. And I said like something about these songs, even though I've never heard them before, mm-hmm. before listening to the album, uh, she's able to almost like bring you back to a place in your life. Like it's like instant mm-hmm. nostalgia. The way I get when I listen to like dumb music I listen to from high school, it's like the same feeling. And she somehow nails that with a song you've never heard before. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. So it must be the tone or something or like, is she the same age as you maybe or something? No, I think she's like, I think she's significantly younger than me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's. uh, I think she has so much emotion in her voice that she's just able to do that. It's funny. So there should be a word for that, right? Like nostalgia for something that you haven't actually experienced. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Sounds like uh, something you would like read online. That's they have it in Norwegian, but we don't have it in English. (laughs) Yeah. Or like, yeah. What's the most nostalgic? I feel like Ireland is a very nostalgic place. And like, Mm -hmm. we don't even remember half of the stuff that happened, but we're like, oh, the famine or whatever. (laughs) We weren't there. Everything (laughs) reminds people of the famine. (laughs) Sucking lost today. (laughs) And it's like, we we're all fine. We eat. <laughs> uh, what's something that you've been listening oh, to? Oh, I'm just trying to think like, I don't really have any album on like right now I'm listening to ASAP Ferg, like Plain Jane. Do you know what song? I don't know. It's so good. It's really and good. like, it just makes me, I'm always like, I'm going to listen to this in the gym, but like, I don't go to the gym. It's like with <laughs> all the like energy that it gives me, I don't know what to do with it. So uh-huh. yeah, but I, I really, I really, uh, I think he's so cool. Um, and he's really fun to follow on Instagram too. Like sometimes he just like goes, he went to Liberia and hung out with loads of kids. Like he's like up to something. Like he's a good guy. That's wonderful. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, that, I think that's a single. And, uh, and apart from that, I'm trying to think what's on my like Spotify, like that I've actually downloaded. I like these girls, um, from Yemen, but I can't remember their name. I'm making a podcast that's about like, um, immigrants. Mm-hmm. So it's fun to be in Queens actually. Yeah. Now, um, and there's this really cool Yemeni girl band, um, but I can't remember their name. In fact, I was almost going to say, I think they're called Ai Weiwei, but that's a Chinese artist. <laughs> <laughs> so I should shut my mouth. Do you think if we Googled Yemeni girl band, we could find Oh, them definitely. They're Great. famous. Like they played here last month or something. Oh, oh that's wow. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Well, what's the song that you wanted to talk to us oh, about Oh, so tonight? as soon as I got your email saying, um, I think it was about last month and it was like saying, what's your favorite song and immediately i thought of white ferrari by frank ocean cool let's yeah. uh actually listen to a clip of it mm-hmm. right now Yeah, so um, like it's I have some kind of Pavlov thing going with mm-hmm. this song because I listened to the album Blonde like the entire time I was writing my book. I just finished mm-hmm. a book of essays last month and um, I 
had that on, that was the only thing I listened to on repeat. Hmm. So when I hear this song, I'm like, I should be writing. Like I should be working. <laughs> it's weird. I only started listening to it again because I knew I was going to talk to you guys uh-huh. about it. That is interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, we like to try to guess before you tell us exactly why. Um, so we're going to do that first. That's only one reason. That's only one reason. Yeah. Only one reason. Yeah. Um, I can offer one. If, if Please, you don't want to go first. Time. Great. Um, this, so you're, you're a comedian in the city and this song yep. strikes me as one that you'd put on for like the whole commute home late at night. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, there's this like visual I have of not being able to hear anything other than the song, but like train cars passing very rapidly <laughs> yeah. and people coming and going and transitioning from that very bright kind of like subway thing to then like a street where there's like no one almost, you know, but like you walking down and realize, and you just like coming home and having like left that all behind. That's, yeah. that's my guess. That's yeah. I think that's pretty, I mean, it feels like an ending, right? This song feels mm-hmm. like it's like mm-hmm. the end of something. So I think that makes sense. And definitely like the busy, it, it is like its own kind of universe with all those weird layers that he mm-hmm. has on it. So that makes sense to me. I don't know about the creepy walk home. I certainly can't, <laughs> I certainly can't wear headphones being female. <laughs> so I just have to do that without Frank. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was a very cinematic guess, I would mm-hmm. say. But the whole album is like yeah. a movie. It's amazing. It really is. Mm-hmm. I, I think that this song caught you because it reminded you of a, it was kind of like that nostalgia that you had an experienced word that we haven't made up yet. Um, Maybe it was that. Maybe it was just it reminded you of a time in your life when you were younger. And Well, I honestly was like, this is like when I'm in Los Angeles. On the f- I cannot drive. I've been to Los Angeles once in my life. <laughs> but like he's such, I feel like he's such a good artist mm-hmm. that his experiences like somehow they like meld into yours or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, now I think that I understand his experiences. I'm sure I don't exactly. But I just think whatever he does, whatever way he writes and whatever, I don't know what his magic is, but I, I am like, I was there. Like, I know what you mean. And like, yeah. that's an incredible thing for any artist to manage to do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So what is it? What else is it about this song? So I think like, it's funny, you know, when you listen to a song forever, you stop hearing the lyrics and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I had to like go back and listen to the lyrics. But I was like, before I did that, I was like, what's his voice, Right. Like his voice is so sad and melancholic and beautiful in it that I am sort of like, well, he could be saying anything. But then I don't think that's true because I'm sure the words have like sunk into my brain in some way. Mm-hmm. And like he talks about, um, I think it's like, you know, we have one life and it's beautiful. He says it in a way better way. <laughs> um, and he just talk. it does feel like he's, I always think this about Frank Ocean, like he's got like a scope that like normal people don't have, like that he can see something metaphysical. Mm -hmm. And so that's like what I love about this song too, that I'm just like, oh, there's like something bigger happening and like he knows about it or he's somehow tapped into it and I want to know about it too. Hmm. That's very cool. Was that um, during your time of writing, uh, was that like the first time you were listening to that album? Yeah, because I was obviously waiting for it for a long time. And then he, <laughs> and then I was like coming up with a lot of reasons not to write my book. Because if you guys know, if you write or if you probably do anything creative, I don't know why, but like it's really procrastination like attacks. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why, because I think it's really healthy to be creative. But for some reason, I stopped myself. And um, so 
I was like kind of watching his journey, right? Because I've been a fan of his forever. And I was like, what's happening to Frank Ocean? Like, is he okay? And like, why won't he write? Or is he writing? Or like, is he being a perfectionist or something? So I was so happy when like he was able to just put it together and, you know, yeah. get it down and like commit to it. I mean, I heard, I think it was it's very hard for him. Like I heard about, you know, even the last night he was like changing the album cover and he actually released a couple of different mm. covers. Like he finds it hard to like just let, make it and let it go. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was putting off, I got my book deal 18 months ago and then my editor like went on maternity leave and I acted like I also was on maternity leave. <laughs> like I was like, oh good, a nice rest. <laughs> and then because of this crazy country, she took like two and a half months maternity leave or something. And then she, cause you know, that's not normal, right? <laughs> um, so, but like she had to like work. So she was back and I was like, yikes. And that was around the same time the blonde came out and I had read, um, there's like a Stephen King book called On Writing mm-hmm. that I think is useful for anyone who makes anything. And in it, he's like one tip. I have, I actually haven't read his other books, but like in it, one tip he says is like, listen to really loud music. And that will like drown out your like nasty editor brain that's telling you like, shut up, you're useless. This is bad. Cause like mm-hmm. the music will like take out that top layer. I was mm-hmm. like, I'll try it. I'll try anything. But, um, and he listens to like tons of like, he just said like rock bands. I don't really know what that means, like rock bands. Um, but I was like, I'll just, I love Franco. I'll try and listen to that. And so that, that's what worked for me and helped me to write. Yeah, um, that's great. And I can see this album working a lot better than a rock band because of how ambient it is. And like, uh, I find it very soothing. Yeah. So. Yeah. So like if you're anxious or if you're trying to like tap into something that's not just like the top layer of your brain, that's always like, oh wait, you're supposed to get poop bags for the dog. And like, oh, you're, <laughs> remember you're a total fool. Like all this stuff, like <laughs> all that stuff. Like what the feeling I had when I would put on my headphones and put on that album mm-hmm. was like sinking. I was like, okay, now mm-hmm. I'm like sinking and now I can like access whatever's underneath and try and get that out. One kind of like fun uh, affect of this album is after listening to it a number of times, you can kind of just like let it fade to the back a little bit. Yeah. Except then uh, I think it's the solo reprise comes yeah. on and it's like this part where I like immediately then listen to ju- it's short and I just listen to that and it's like kind of like you can like bob to it yeah. and it's but it's like this thing that like takes me it like grabs my attention again and puts me back into it for a minute and then I go back to like relaxing in a fun way right and I think that sometimes like white Ferrari there's like I can't remember the track listing exactly but like the two tracks in front of that were a bit like a bit noisy or I'd be like oh I'm listening to something and then wife Rari it's at about the 50 minute mark maybe mm-hmm. and that would like send me back under again and that was always really helpful mm. yeah <laughs> um you said you've been waiting for this album for quite a while is this yeah. kind of would you say that this sort of album is like very much in your wheelhouse of what you like to listen to generally speaking um I mean I like soul music and R&B, I guess. I mean, who else is he like, do you think? Um, I mean, I don't want to, like, pigeonhole him or anything. Right. But there's a lot of, like, you know, contemporary R&B or, like, neo-R&B. Like, I love yeah. Channel Orange. And then I guess there was some, you know, like, Miguel and stuff came mm-hmm. along. But it never, like, filled that, like, gap that Frank Ocean. Like, I don't <laughs> know who else is like him, really. Yeah. You know. He's number one. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, I also, I mean, 
the album wise and I don't but like I f- felt like Solange's album mm-hmm. was a little like had some of the same stuff for me like it was like a whole experience that you could kind of like see and feel as you were listening to the whole thing mm-hmm. but I don't know if you can really compare them right yeah mm-hmm. they're different um guys they're different they're different <laughs> okay they're very different <laughs> certainly there seems to be a uh there's a wave going through R&B of like spoken word tracks mm-hmm. uh, on the albums. I don't know if that's been around for super long, but it seems to be on like every prominent R&B album of the last couple of years, uh, which is kind of cool. I like that too. Yeah. Some people I don't think love them, but I kind of Yeah, I've definitely it. seen like people being like, okay, thanks for your three actual tracks and then your friends leave, you know, like whatever. Like <laughs> People see, get head up that like an album isn't what it used to be of like 12 bangers or whatever, but like, I don't <laughs> care. 12 I'm bangers, that's too many. To- <laughs> <laughs> None of them are bangers if they're all bangers. Oh, oh. <laughs> like, that's just, no, it's, it's a lot. <laughs> I can't be banged for a whole 50 minutes. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you got to take it down somehow. Yeah. Yeah. But I have no complaints about that. Like, I don't have any complaints about like, oh, it feels more like a experience than an album or whatever. Like, yeah. I'm like so happy. And I feel as well, like he's such a generous artist. And like, I think some people, I mean, of course, did you know this music is really commercial? <laughs> like, you know, like, but you know, of course people are just like, this will work, this will work, whatever. Mm-hmm. But I feel like with him, he's constantly striving to just be like, what do I mean? And like, how can I tell you what I'm feeling? And that's so Mm. noble. Yeah. Do you think uh, listening to this album as you're writing a book influenced you to like, or inspired you to try to write more like that? Or um, did it like fall back to the point that it was just sort of background noise? And I don't know. Like, I actually can't tell. I was writing my acknowledgements and I was like, thank, and you know, saying my research and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I should thank Frank Ocean, which is like such a grandiose thing of me to be like, hey, buddy, you know what? We're basically peers. And like, we, but um, I don't know how much, like those qualities that I just mentioned about mm-hmm. like honest, like being honest and authentic and like trying to figure out what I'm feeling and trying to say what that is in the hope of like connecting with other people or at least like just saying it. Mm-hmm. Um, those are things that I really admire about him. And I am sure like, I wouldn't listen to like, I'm sure that's what I was also trying to let. So hopefully that would seep into me, mm-hmm. you know, and that courage that he has, which is like so exciting, I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, people are going to think you guys hang out when they read that. <laughs> hey, Frankie Frank, uh, we'll, uh, no, you become a, an Italian man from Queens. When you're hanging out with Frank Ocean. Oh my God. No, I'm sure I I was careful about that because like, you know, because that would be such a weird lie to say. But I was just like, I listened to, I like reading acknowledgements of other books. And like, I was glad that Stephen King like said that to other writers because it really helped me. So I was like, I'll just mention that. But it wasn't to be like, you know, we're similar, like we're, we're very, if you break it down into like whatever, where, you know, like I'm like an Irish woman, white woman, immigrant, you know, like he's like American man, black man, gay man. Like we're so, we're so different. So like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I also think that's like the cool thing about music, right? And about art mm-hmm. that like, you know, I'll never meet him or anything, but I'm just like, oh, like I get it. I think I get it. Like, thank you so much. You know, like yeah. he's just like yeah. helped me so much. Yeah. For sure. I mean, that is one of my 
very favorite things about music is that I do think it can give you that, you know, you'll never, I'll never like understand someone that's different from me truly, but it gives you at least a taste of their perspective um, and tries to put you good music, you know, lyrical stuff. It's like, it tries to put you in their shoes for Mm -hmm. a a moment or for three minutes or whatever it happens Mm -hmm. to be. Um, And I find that to be very special, you know, and uh, yeah, and I mean, he talked about this song, White Ferrari, like being kind of inspired by, like he talked about the Beatles influence on it mm. from their track, Here, There and Everywhere, which mm-hmm. is like also a gorgeous song with all these like cool harmonies. So like, I think that's, you know, like that's a cool trail to follow too, you know, that he was like looking back at them and then like other artists are going to look to him and like all these different like little things will bubble up in, in different people. Yeah, it kind of like levels up as you go back you know you can because then who knows somebody might maybe has never heard that Beatles song Mm -hmm. and they read something like that and they're obsessed with him Mm -hmm. and so then they go and listen to that and that that might be like their introduction Mm -hmm. to the Beatles and who (laughs) knows what that if that person's an artist themselves who knows what they get out of that experience right which is also like this very you know like this beautiful thing of passing down uh artistic qualities right yeah definitely um what is your book about oh I mean it's like about it's essays about immigration about my life it's kind of memoristic mm-hmm. and it's um funny as well which is like you know like cool. kind of like listening to Frank Ocean and like also the year that we've had right like it's sure. like a it's kind of an odd time to be like I'm gonna tickle you all individually you know like um but I actually do think there's like a place for humor still um and yeah. So, but like, so I'm a comic too. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, everyone's like, oh, the sad clown, like the secretly sad clown or whatever. And I used to always be like, mm, not me. I'm actually happy all of the time. So <laughs> thanks. Um, but now like all these like, like scientific studies have come out where they're like, comedy brains are prone to tragedy. <laughs> like, you know, like they're like, they're like, there's a very fine line between like being, you know, like, I don't know what it is. But basically, I'm okay now with like the the darker sides of me and like the the mm-hmm. parts where I go lower because mm-hmm. I used to pretend they weren't there, and like now I'm like, oh, it's fine. And that's another thing with like music that I think can access parts like comedy like can't really do for me. Yeah, yeah. for for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I see. I similarly, I see and perform a lot of comedy, and uh, that's like often the one thing that's missing is like, oh, we're laughing every night. It's so fun. Oh, this yeah. is so great. <clears throat> And there are times where I'm just, you can, I can tell maybe like I'm listening to a song or an album or you go see, I go see like a movie maybe or a play and so it'll just like all the emotion will just like come forward all of a sudden. I'm like, yeah, cause I'm like hungry for it because, right. uh, comedy can only do so much lots of times. Yeah. I sort of yeah. think it can do everything, but like, you know, it can, like it's the type of thing where like there's rarely a place for though. oscillating. Very rarely. Like. I think if, say, like, when speaking politically, mm-hmm. I'm, like, not waiting around for comedy to save us because I think comedy is, like, not able and not able to step up and, like, we're not brave enough. But, like, with musicians, I'm, like, I think they could do it. Yeah. I think they could do yeah, it. Yeah, I think there's more yeah. capability there. Yeah. I mean, when you're going to a place and, you know, spending all night laughing, and that's great, but when you're pushing down, like, the darker stuff and, like, the uh, stuff that requires conflict... Um, it gets tough to do with comedy because comedy is sitting up here and, you know, just talking to a crowd of people and then 
you know, maybe not inspiring people to go out and, or like, you know, it depends how many people are in the room or whatever, but I think music has like a chance to sort of catch on like a brush fire. Cause like something yeah. like Frank Ocean where it's, uh, an experience that I can't understand. I can listen to it, enjoy it. Um, it can connect with you even if it isn't, uh, your perspective. And I think a lot of the time comedy is just, you know, it's one person on stage trying to do something political, but I don't know that that's got the same momentum behind it. Yeah. It just doesn't have like the same, I think maybe personal connection. Also, like if you're, it's so so self-congratulatory, I feel like comedy, like with like the Colbert show or whatever. And they're like, we're speaking truth to power. It's like, but you're not really like, you're actually very safe. And like (laughs) when, and also where were you when all this was happening? Like you helped actually. Yeah. Um, and even like when the Emmys was on and like Sean Spicer came out and Colbert was yeah. like laughing, I was just like, goodbye. Like <laughs> <laughs> you guys are losers. <laughs> um, and so, and then with things like, say like take Frank Ocean, like I definitely don't, can't speak for him politically, but I feel like his own life, right? Like coming out as a gay man in like hip hop, which was like, you know, for so long, like that, I'm sure that was not an easy thing to do, you know? Mm-hmm, and right. like just the way he, mm, like, he doesn't need to be overt about it. Like, he doesn't need to come out and be like, I support so-and-so. Just, like, his existence is, like, really kind of amazing and, like, mm-hmm. inspirational, I think. Yeah, oh, yeah I think so. Um, is your book... Do you feel like a lot, a lot of those essays are similar to the things that you address on your podcast? Yeah, well, I have... So, I have an immigration podcast. So, my book is more... That was where immigrants like tell their own story like I host Mm -hmm. it but it's like each week is about a different immigrant Mm -hmm. and so my book is more like my perspective yeah that was me like you know I guess I don't know what the word is hosting (laughs) 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 yeah but uh, my book is more like this is what I think um which again is like you can like that thing I think about like Frank Ocean politics like he's just using his voice like he's just being like very insistently himself and like that's actually really powerful now I'm not saying as a white person that's what I have to do too like it makes me kind of laugh when it's like when white people are like I gotta take some time for self-care because it's like not yet like you just started <laughs> like you just started um, but uh with um, but yeah so but I do think that the more it happens that like women and like minorities like are able to just be like oh this is me like this is actually me then it will things will change yeah. yeah. Well, I think your your show is so great because you are able to uh, host the show that's bringing to light a lot of things that, um, you know, probably aren't being covered in a, in a lot of other media. And if they are, they're being covered more as news items, I yeah. think. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're able to get to those personal experiences and put a put a, a voice or, or a face, you know, to. Yeah two people that are coming into this country and you yourself are one of those people, which right. I think is really uh, a lot of it is Americans interviewing immigrants or just like reporting on them without necessarily, know. you know, without doing the story. Uh, yeah. Like without necessarily knowing what they're talking about. Yeah. Um, a lot of it ends up like ends up being data or something yes. like that, you know, rather than a uh, face to the story or face to the policy that we're voting on or right. hearing or whatever. And, yeah. um, and your, your show does it in a way I think that is also like, it's very f- fun to listen to. And, uh, Oh, thank you. And yeah, 
it kind of is just like, it's, it's a really great experience to uh, be like, oh yeah, that is a person, it's a person in my city maybe, you know? And yeah, I mean, my so guest who is Syrian, Zaza, he lives like in Astoria and he like, um, like, I can't remember the exact timing, but I feel like, well, the Muslim ban was January, right? I interviewed him at the start and, and the initial Muslim ban was a complete uh, ban on all Syrian refugees forever. <laughs> like, um, whereas the other seven countries, I think it was a three month stay um so anyway I had just talked to Zaza who's like Muhammad Zaza is his name but like there's like 500 Muhammads in his class or whatever so he <laughs> he just goes by Zaza and um he not in his class in his company but um yeah like he's just you know he's like a dad and like he's trying to quit smoking and like, you know it's funny when you and he but he doesn't want to quit smoking because he put on weight you know like he's just like this guy he's just like a lovely guy um and so who had a horrible thing happen which is like his country descend into civil war because mm-hmm. of their psycho leader um so it's it is crazy right to see mm-hmm. like Syrian refugees and then it's like oh you're talking about that <laughs> like in his yeah. one-year-old who's like waits for him to come home and like waits by the by the lift for him the elevator you know yes we so got yeah <laughs> yeah um and I actually just had I just listened to uh, an older one but the Annie Moore episode that you put out which oh, yeah. is about the Irish right American immigration experience mm-hmm. um so she was a, she is the first immigrant through Ellis Island um, and it was 125 years ago this year she came through, she was 17 and she had her two little brothers with her. So she was undocumented, unaccompanied minor <laughs> and she with two other little ones and like left from my hometown in Coven, Ireland and, uh, like was welcomed here because they wanted like, you know, fresh white immigrants who were kind of Judeo-Christian. Mm-hmm. So she didn't need papers. She was, you know, they were delighted with her. Yeah, it was something about uh, up until that point, what people were like, she was like the first person they even dealt with the process of immigration. Is that right? Like, yeah, so, well, not exactly, but okay. like close. They were starting to get really um, bureaucratic at that point, but there was already a lot of laws in place. Like the Asian Exclusion Act was already in place. Mm-hmm. So okay. if you were Chinese, like you just could not get in. Mm-hmm. Um, so they had a few, they had a few, they had but like a few. for, for Europeans, like they were like, oh my God, do you have scurvy? No, come in. Like, <laughs> and I mean, not that it was like a bed of roses for her. Like she still sure. just ended up in the tenements all yeah. her life and like had 11 children and like five of them died. And you know, like she had a really rough time, but it was interesting to see her immigration story. And then cause she left from my hometown, mm-hmm. I was like drawing parallels and like, I also like didn't, didn't really have any skills when I moved here, but I was able to get like, I mean, I do comedy. So like, <laughs> but I was able to get like a special, special visa. Sure. Yeah. Um, whereas if I was obviously like Iranian or, well, Iran is a tricky one, but like if I was, you know, from, from the Sudan or something, mm-hmm. forget it. Like, you know, Sudanese girl being like, Hey, I do like stand up and I, it's kind of observational, gentle stuff. Can I? <laughs> They'd be like, fuck off. <laughs> Um, <laughs> sorry. No, no, no. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I find it so interesting just because, at least my perspective, I grew up around here, mm-hmm. and it's just not something that, when I was growing up, we thought of. Like, you know, when my ancestors came over, they came over and we were fine. Like, my family's still here, and that's great. And um, where do they come from? Um, 
Italy and Ireland. So my grandfather came over from Sicily in the early 1900s. And then uh, my great-great-great-grandmother came over from Ireland 1840, something like that. Oh, right, when the famine. Yeah. Yeah. That's why they came here. (laughs) (laughs) Look at you now, kid. Um, But it's just, it's so interesting to me because I feel like because we are American, we don't have the perspective of what it's, the desire to be here. Right. Like to come to here. But that feels, I mean, that's like always a thing. I get it, right? Like, you know, Mosin Hamid, he's like a really good writer. He wrote Mm -hmm. Exit West was like the cool Mm -hmm. book at the moment. And it is a really cool book. But like he talks a lot about, he's like Pakistani and he talks a lot about how America is when you're in America and then there's another America. And when you're outside of America. Mm -hmm. And the difference is so wild. Like if you travel outside of America and you say you're American to people, it means all sorts. It could be like, oh, they're the most aggressive superpower in the world and they Mm -hmm. ruined my country again. You know, or like it could be like, that's where I really want to go. You know, like it's, 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 there's such uh, uh, dissociation that happens when you've been here for a generation or two. Yeah. Like Trump's mother came through Ellis Island. Yeah. Obama's father was an immigrant, mm-hmm. right? And he deported more people than the previous three presidents. Mm-hmm. So like, it is a very odd thing that happened. I mean, maybe it's not odd, right? Like if you're, if you're bullied, you'll be a bully. Like it could be that straightforward. But <laughs> right. I feel like it's something about capitalism where you're just like, I gotta keep hold of it. I can't share. Yeah, I, I there's think- a, it's a real fear-based thing. It feels like, which sucks. <laughs> <laughs> A lot. Hey, you should be a politician, man. Nah. <laughs> I'm, guys, not, I'm not helping anything. It's a, no, it's cool that you guys are even talking about it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I also think a lot of that is because we grew up with, like, this idea of the American dream being, like, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. And then because, like, when our grandparents came here, like, they had nothing. And then they built it up to something. But, I mean, and it's that's like, what, like, Pence, Mike Pence just gave this big speech to, like, the Latino le- business leaders or whatever. And it made me sick because he was like, my grandfather came from Ireland. He's big into his Irish heritage. Sure. And he worked as a bus driver and he was in the unions, blah, blah, in the 20s in Chicago. It wasn't easy, but look what we did. And he came over legally. If you look into Pence's family history, like the unions were like shut off to black people in Chicago at that time. So like he immediately, he's got a right. leg up. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, like, yeah, yeah. and also he didn't need papers. He came in at a time when it was like, you could just be like healthy and white and you would get in. Mm-hmm. And also he had like all the, the Irish like establishment basically in Chicago to help mm-hmm. him. So I just felt like that was very dishonest. Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, that was something I think I heard on your, sh- an episode of your show. It might've been uh, the Annie Moore episode, but talking about this idea that um, people now, like especially like white politicians tend to say like, well, our ancestors, it like it was really, really hard for them. Right. And they like worked so, so hard and they did it. Right. So that's what everyone should have to do when they come to this country. But also it's like, wasn't there slaves? Didn't you <laughs> yeah. also have there were didn't you have some help that you <laughs> and maybe also- you know, I, I think like maybe you had made this point previously, but like we're also like way better at shit now. <laughs> like right. it doesn't have to be so hard. Like yeah. Yeah. jobs are <laughs> jobs are much easier. <laughs> Do you know what it took to like uh, print a news article back in the day? And now like yeah, yeah. you just someone types it and it goes to the Internet and everyone has it. Right. Like uh, <laughs> you don't need as much hardship 
uh, in our country <laughs> as you did like 125 years ago. Right. It could just be easier for everyone. <laughs> it, yeah. I mean, yeah, to- like totally. That's so funny. But also if you look at who is doing like the sum of the physical labor that can mm-hmm. only like oranges, they haven't designed a way to get oranges off the tree except for like people. Yeah. So yeah. like there is still, you know, a lot of graft that happens yes. in some parts of the country. And that is largely like migrant laborers, mm-hmm. you know. But yeah, it's not like, I don't know what Trump's mother did. Like she was just like a 19 year old who like came over and no shame in it, but she was looking for a husband. Like, and she got one, she got a rich husband. And then that's, so he has no claim to say like, Oh my, you know. Well, when I heard that too of him, him like talking about it, right. Like, Oh, my mother was from Scotland. She's from here. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, man. Like if I'm thinking of like who your dad was, he probably like wanted someone that he could exploit that power dynamic, like yeah. you know, like somebody that needed him, you know, right uh, in their life, right. And I'm like, so you're. I don't think he has like a proud history, yeah, of his mother being Scottish or something. You know what I mean? Like you have a proud history of your dad being a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I wonder about the age gap and stuff. And she was like a domestic, I think. Yeah, it's true. But also, I just remember he's also married to an immigrant, which mm-hmm. is like very downplayed always. You know, I feel like if the first lady is from a different country, that could be like a fun way to talk about yeah. immigration yeah. and like the links between. I don't. Is she Latvian? I, I don't know. Anyone know? That's so. Was she hmm? Lith- Lithuanian? Slovenian. Slovenian. Sorry. Okay. Oh my God. See, I didn't even know. And she's like our first lady. Yeah. But you know, God bless Slovenia. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I mean, having them talk about it would just, you know, highlight the irony of everything that they're trying to do. I know. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm not expecting like a big like sit down like kumbaya. Like I just remembered my wife is an immigrant. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to build that wall, (laughs) guys. (laughs) Uh, I think that wishful thinking is a great place to stop. Right. <laughs> Let's leave it on that note. <laughs> uh, Maeve, thank you so much for joining yeah, thank us. Thank you. That was, was great. So Give it up. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. All right, folks, if you want to hear Bartiz and the Strange Fruit cover White Ferrari, head on over to repeater.show where it's available to stream. And you absolutely should do that. And maybe you just did. Either way, we're going to get back to the show. This song's called I Don't Know.
Oh, man. 
seat like I should be Cops don't understand me Cause I'm black feet They don't give me I get trial By the way This is for literal should be I swear That he ain't me It's all Cause I tried up with Maeve, check out MaeveHiggins.com and follow her on Twitter at Maeve in America. Oh yeah, also subscribe to her podcast, Maeve in America. It's all about personal immigration stories and it is excellent. It's so good. And you know what else is so good? Bartiz's new album, uh, which came out last month and you should go buy it. You can also keep up with Bartiz on Twitter at Bartiz underscore. So that's B-A-R-T-E-E-S underscore or at Bartsfruit.com. Oh boy, that was really cool. I'm so happy that Maeve brought White Ferrari to the show. I think it's one of the first contemporary R&B songs we've had on the show, especially with a musician. Yeah, and Bartiz really nailed it. It was wonderful to hear such an atmospheric song done live. Oh yeah, it was cool. So cool. And uh, his original songs were also a lot of fun. Absolutely. I mean... Going from one song where he had his friend Justin backing him to another song where it was just Bartiz and his guitar was incredible. Yeah. Uh, we've already said it, but we do think Maeve's podcast, Maeve in America, is fantastic. We are so excited to have her on the show because, you know, she's someone that we look up to in the podcasting world. Yeah. And really, go subscribe. I'm a huge fan of that show, and I felt very lucky to get to talk to her about it. Folks, you just got to check it out. And after you do that, hey, Subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already and give us a nice review if you're so inclined. Until next time, hit repeat. Repeater is hosted by Evan Forbarden and Patrick Cartelli at QED in Astoria, Queens, a place to show and tell. Find out more at qedastoria.com. Our show is supported in part by Hi-Fi Records and Cafe in Astoria, Visit them from wherever you are at hi-fi-records.com. Editing by Stephen Garvey. Theme music by The Sun Lions. Everything else by Love Nest Productions. Welcome to Repeaters.